0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Oh, yes. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another episode of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norse. His name is is hayden winks hayden you've been in the lab i've been watching games today it's the fantasy usage model we're gonna call running backs wide receivers tight ends ones who drafted highly ones who had crazy under expected performances it's all happening today how you doing i'm doing good there's rumors that uh, eric the enemy might go to usc
0: so i'm riding this little high but going back just what you're talking about it's nice i do the data stuff on mondays and tuesdays On Mondays and Tuesdays, you're watching the games and kind of vice versa. So right now, when we're going into this right now, I have some data. You got some film notes. We'll combine it. We'll get the best of both worlds.
1: Yeah, once again, we're going to go through running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, the likes of Eli Mitchell, Mike Davis, Jamar Chase, Cole Beasley, Cal Pitts. We'll get to all the big names, maybe some frustrated you, maybe ones that you're wondering if you can start for the rest of the season. We'll try to find, like, you know, the facts, Here from week one. And also, I do want to bring up two people won $15,000 on underdog this past weekend by just drafting six players for $5 a piece. That's the battle royale. Again, that is on underdog fantasy. We're going to break down those winning teams, how they were built, what strategy elements we can take from those. You'll be able to see their rosters as well. So all of you can win in week two but hayden over on the under blog you have your fantasy usage model it's one of the best i think assets out there for for fantasy players Why don't you just give us like an above ground look at what you're trying to achieve here
0: if you look at targets carries red zone targets red zone carries inside the five carries targets near the sidelines targets down the middle there's all these snaps snap data what I wanted to do is I want to take all that data, put it into a model, and just spit out to me how many points that player should have scored in half PPR. So what this model does is I look at how many points Darren Waller, for example, scored in half PPR, and I compared it to his actual usage. And what those two data points are good is it's telling me, okay, is this player performing well? Is he performing under underperforming? Is he getting a lot of usage? Is he a positive or negative regression candidate? All that stuff, and I don't have to just keep mentioning that he has a 38% this, all this. It's just, boom. He was the RB7 in fantasy usage. It does not get more simple than that. I do all the dirty work, and this way, when I present it to you guys, all you have to carry about is just where each one of these players ranked by position, and we'll go through it every single Tuesday.
1: All right. Let's start off at the running back position. Hey, we know Chris at the top, Chris McCaffrey. Somehow a quiet, like 187 yards going down the list. I want to talk about the third player and Joe Mixon. I think more than any other show, more than any other tandem, you and I were higher on Joe Mixon compared to our football bubble that we live in. He was going around the 21st overall player in our free draft guide heading into the season. We had him as the 13th overall player. Part of that was because Giovanni Bernard was gone, that we were expecting a lot of passing down usage. Hayden, in a win, in a situation that the Bengals want to find themselves in, Joe Mixon founds, finds himself as the number three overall player on your fantasy usage mock.
0: He finished in uh, as a uh, RB3-2 and half PPR, and this was the fourth most snaps of his entire career. And there's obviously a couple things that you have to look at immediately is the impact that Giovanni Bernard leaves behind for Joe Mixon. This was a very neutral Game script, it actually went to overtime, so that kind of helped out Joe Mixon here a little bit. But he was dominating touches. Samaji Puran only played a couple of downs. And the big thing for me, the takeaway, is this chart right here, the neutral pass rate. If you're looking at first and second downs when you're removing two-minute drill when games are out of control and you just look at neutral pass rate, the Bengals were dead last. They ran the ball on more than half of their neutral pass or neutral plays And this is a complete 180 from last year when the Bengals were typically top five. And I think that the reason for that is the Bengals have a brand new offensive line. They're going back to their old offensive uh, line coach. And Joe Burrow is coming off a major knee injury. And they're paying Joe Mixon a ton of money. So I don't think the Bengals will be dead last in neutral pass right moving forward. But I also don't think they're going to be top three like they were last year. And if they're in the middle, that's that sweet spot where you get these RB1 weeks from Joe Mixon.
1: Once again, Joe Mixon was being drafted right around the running back 13 mark. Hayden, I think from what we're showing and look, the Bengals might not win, you know, nine games this season. But I think what this showed is that no matter what, Joe Mixon is going to be among the top 12 scoring. Like he's a running back one for you moving forward because it is that rushing usage. It's that goal line usage and it's that receiving usage as well. I've been joking for like years of who is Zach Taylor. What do we know about him in the past Hayden? A lot of it has been those neutral pass rates that you've talked about. I want to bring up this. I'll match your tweet with with one of my own. That when you look at second quarter with just one minute and eleven seconds left, what you get here from Joe Burrow, who I think you made a great point that maybe they're trying to not put him in bubble wrap early in the season, but just be careful about exposing him because the, I think everyone knows that the questions along the offensive line. So in this scenario, no timeouts in your pocket. You're trusting your second year quarterback who played half of his rookie season. First throw to T Higgins. Second throw to Joe Mixon. Third throw to Tyler Boyd. Fourth throw, 50 yard touchdown to Jamar Chase. So many other teams, if you were playing it safe, if you didn't know what you were doing, you would just run out the clock and try to get the ball to start here in the second half when getting the ball at your 25 yard line. No, this is the type of roster construction that the Bengals have gotten to. Like, this is why they added all these pieces, Hayden. Those three wide receivers the quarterback, the running back as well. And so this is why I love to say. I think this is maybe a little capsule of what we can expect, some aggressiveness in the passing department and not just settling for, you know, safe, safer options as we move forward. This, this one play, this one series really stood out to me for the Bengals.
0: Yeah, totally love that. I think mean, that you'll see this type of play sequence kind of in, like improve as the season progresses. You're just going to see the neutral pass rate slowly start to tick up as Joe Burrow becomes – Uh, a little healthier he a little more confident jamar chase looked back after a very bad training camp but i think this was a good win for for the cincinnati Bengals, and this was a massive massive game for joe mixon i'm not going to be surprised if joe mixon is top five in fantasy usage every single week on average and i don't think that it's going to be a huge like uh fantasy points under expected season for joe mixon because guess what josh that Texas state offensive line coach is nowhere, nowhere near. He's back with the Bobcats <laughs> down in Texas playing against the freaking Mac West or whoever else. And we're getting a, a legit Mac coaching West? staff. Yeah, whatever you're, they are.
1: You're out here making, making conferences. Maybe EOC's next coach comes from one of those schools, Hayden. Who knows? What's up, uh, but I, I do think it's important again, to note what Joe Mixon did in week one in comparison to like Derek Henry, who positive game script player. You know, Najee Harris still has those questions around him. We'll get to him in a little bit. But Joe Mixon is here to stay as like a top 12, if not top five, in in running back usage and quickly on Joe Burrow. I think he even understands he doesn't have the strongest arm in the NFL. Like if you watch Justin Herbert, then you watch Joe Burrow, you can see the differences in their game. But he was so quick. He was so decisive. He made some really anticipatory throws in this game. So there's a lot to love against a very good defensive play caller in Mike Zimmer. A lot to love what we learned about the Bengals here in week one. Who do you want to hit in next? Aiden?
0: Mike Davis. I know the box score was not pretty, but he was the RB seven in fantasy usage. He played 75% of the Falcon snaps and he actually ran a route on 77% of the dropbacks. Cordero Patterson got in there for a little bit, but I think that you had some notes on when Cordero Patterson got in there. And I think that ultimately the conclusion we're going to draw here is that we're not going to be panicking on Mike Davis. The week 1 usage is kind of what we were expecting.
1: Don't panic at all with with Mike Davis. I understand that some people loved Mike Davis during the preseason, some did not. Hayden, we were on the boat that we believed in this offense, which is debatable now, but also Mike Davis just as a talent despite him not having a profile necessarily for us to believe in late in this career. I mean, he was going at the beginning of the sixth round, but what we can say about Mike Davis, 75% of the snaps, saw 56% of the rushing attempts when they were throwing the football, he was on his routes in 77% of the time. What I saw was Mike Davis was the lead ball carrier in this game. And yes, Cordell Patterson got a few carries inside the 10 yard line. That's because Mike Davis basically got them into that spot for the three plays ahead of that. And I also believe in your fantasy usage model from, going to lab here for a moment. The opportunities inside the 10 yard line, like targets are a big deal as well. The two that went right in Mike Davis's direction were uncatchable. One was at his feet. One was over top of his head in double coverage. So that's like the little bit of context. While it's great that he's in there and getting those opportunities, these opportunities were impossible to make good on in this one game.
0: That's why I think the fantasy usage model has some some just reasons to use it is because like those type of plays like yes that mi- that makes Mike Davis look bad like compared to his over expected but you want Mike Davis getting those targets near the goal line because next week when Matt Ryan puts it right on the money then Mike Davis goes into the end zone so I think that he's going to be a positive regression candidate we just need the Falcons offense to do a complete 180 I haven't watched this game yet but I heard it was pretty bad I'm not sure if that was fluky or if that's just the Falcons getting their feet wet oh
1: here. What I just said about the Bengals, the, the Falcons basically had their own scenario in order to do this. They had the ball inside their own 10-yard line, 3.30 left, two timeouts. They had three straight runs and then just punted the ball away. Meanwhile, then the Eagles go. I mean, this, this game was was close at this point, And the Eagles go and score a touchdown before halftime. So I'm not sure. If Arthur Smith still doesn't trust his offensive line, Matt Ryan was all over the place. We're going to get some of these other play callers as well. And I'm not going to say anything negative about Cordero Patterson either, by the way. He had some explosive runs. He was in there. I think he's clearly the number two back, obviously, with Wayne Gallman inactive. But I don't, Mike Davis didn't do anything to dissuade the Falcons from taking him out of this opportunity. What we need, Hayden, is for the Falcons' offense to be like adequate. And they were not adequate at all in week one. Yeah. I think they'll probably bounce back. All right. DeAndre Swift. Hayden. DeAndre Swift was a favorite of a lot of zero running back drafters. A lot of people waited on the running back position. What an absolutely insane game the Lions and the 49ers were in. It was 38-17 to 17 heading into the fourth quarter. Final score 41-33 for the 49ers and the Lions. Hayden, I see DeAndre Swift's name up there. I see Jamal Williams on this list as well. How much can we count on both or even just one Lions running back moving forward?
0: It was totally negative game script induced. I think that's what you were going to talk about here in a second. And actually, I have a stat called Dream Opportunities, which is inside the five uh, touches and also passing situation targets, which is like the classic two-minute drill, third and long targets. And DeAndre Swift led all, all of the entire position in dream, dream opportunities. That is because they were trailing by 30 points. I do think that this is the exact role that we wanted DeAndre Swift to be in. If you were drafting him on the round three, four turn, I'm expecting the lines to be down a lot. And this, the fact that he was out there for as much of the time as he was is a positive note. It is also a slightly concerning that Jamal Williams was also top 15 in fantasy usage And he also, I think, was number two in these same dream opportunities. So it it is a committee, but I think just because the Lions receivers are so, so, so bad that you could just have this be the two running backs in TJ Hawkinson, and that's it.
1: We do a pregame show starting at 10 a.m. You and I hop on around 11 a.m. on Sundays, and we get a lot of questions of, well, should we start DeAndre Swift? Some because the matchup, some because the news heading into it. And, Hayden, this was the dream matchup like you pointed to with DeAndre Swift. Extreme negative game script. This is why you drafted him. You didn't expect – like typically for a lot of running backs, you want them to be in positive game script so they can run the football and get goal line touches. For DeAndre Swift, you want negative game scripts so they can get receptions. Now, Hayden, I think this was taking it a bit far. Like I think there's a major difference in games where – A team is down 10 points heading into the fourth quarter, which I expect the Lions to find themselves in a lot, versus 30 points heading into the fourth quarter. I mean, look at this passing chart from Jared Goff, and look how many attempts are either behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, or just five yards down the field. Like, yes, the Lions' offensive line actually opened up a lot of lanes and good lanes in terms of yards before contact for both DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. But what I saw, and we'll see if this, you know, can follow suit as we go along against the Lions opponents was in that entire fourth quarter, they played so far off that they didn't want to give up the big plays. Now that also didn't help them because they have cornerback concerns and they were, you know, getting past interference calls down the field. But a lot of these short receptions were basically gimmies to the Detroit Lions. I think in closer games, even by 10 points or a touchdown or 12 points, defenses are going to start playing these, you know, running backs a bit closer. And it's not going to be as easy as it was. Now, that's not to say that they're not good starts. Like top 24 weeks, absolutely. But are we going to see, you know, 11 targets, 15 targets, nine targets to both of these players? That's that's difficult for me to moving forward. And that's still why I get a little bit nervous being associated to maybe one of the worst offenses in the NFL.
0: Jared Goff's not going to throw the ball 57 times per game this, this year. Like that's right. just... Straight up answer for it. So yeah, I, I think that I would rank DeAndre Swift as like the RB thirteen somewhere, right around there. And I think that it was this was a, a good week one for people that were drafting. It was ideal. Other,
1: but, it wasn't yeah. just good. It, this was the ideal matchup to yeah. draft DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, and it might be the best that we yeah. have all season long. Again, I do want to bring up how good that Detroit Lions offensive line look though, and when you're associated to a quarterback like Jared Goff who wants to make passes like this, then that helps too. All right. Any yep. other running backs you want to hit on before we go, Hayden?
0: Yeah, real quick. Damian Harris. I, I know some of my friends been kind of concerned about Damian Harris and that fumble. The one thing though is he was the RB ten in a half PP or half half point expected PPR points, and he had like twenty five or twenty six opportunities. That was the fifth most of the week. And the the bigger thing was Ramondre Stevenson fumbled and had a blitz pickup issue as well. So like, who are they going to be? benching Damian Harris for like, it's not James White. It's probably not JJ Taylor. So I think that Damian Harris, this was a positive week one, even though the fumble kind of left a little sour taste in your mouth. But I think that this was a positive week one for Damian Harris. Ultimately.
1: It would have been the perfect Sunday because I truly feel like they were going to put the ball in his hands to win the game in those final two minutes, right? Like he was going to get the carries inside the 10 yard line. Hayden, it was exactly what you and I projected this team to be. It was bully ball. It was play action. A little bit of RPOs, and that's what we got from Damian Harris. It started off with like a 35-yard run. Unless something shocking happens, I would expect Damian Harris to continue to roll with this role. Yes. Like, if they want to continue to, if they do want to punish him, that sucks. That's out of our hands at the moment. But hey, what we drafted Damian Harris for, he got in week one, yep. plus a few catches that were a bit unexpected as well. And I do want to reiterate. I understand he got like, what, 23, 22 touches, something like that. Um, that Miami Dolphins defense is legit. And I yes. think that while he's still got 100 yards in the ground, I'm a, I'm guessing there's going to be even better efficiency against worse opponents that they go wrong, especially this week against the New York Jets. Like, we need Damien Harris to start and get 18 touches against the Jets because, Hayden, we could have another 100-yard rushing day from him and maybe a touchdown. He'll
0: be inside my top 24
1: this week. All right. Um, I know we all drafted Ezekiel Elliott pretty early. Some talks of running back four, running back three. Talk about opponents. Hayden, you could not have drawn up a worse opponent, as we expected, leading into that game. Then Then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that was difficult against the run last year, and now gets Vita Vea back fully healthy, and that absolutely pays off. And guess what? Defense does matter. Absolutely, and Ezekiel
0: Elliott was missing his all-pro right guard in Zach Martin, so the box score stats were abysmal, but the the fringe stats were pretty bullish for Ezekiel Elliott. He played on 83% of the snaps. He ran a route on 72% of the dropbacks. He was still a top 24 back in expected fantasy points. I know you don't want to hear that because you drafted Ezek- Ezekiel Elliott in the first round, but I think that he's not going to lose too many snaps to Tony Pollard, and he's not going to be asked to pass block nearly as much as he was in the opener because the Bicks, the, the Bucks blitz a ton and they already have uh, the front seven just to get people home. And that's why he was in pass protection. And when I turned on the film, and I, I watched all the snaps again. He beat Devin White to the edge. I thought he looked pretty explosive, more explosive than he did last year. And I think that ultimately Zeke Elliott will be an, a top 10 fantasy running back. And I think that was just completely game script and
1: opponent base in week one. Yeah, again, it drives me nuts, people shouting into the void that Tony Pollard should be playing over Zeku Elliott and Hayden. I think the Cowboys showed their hand of why Zeke is playing when if he wasn't, Tony Pollard would have to pick up blitzes every single time too. Like again, this is also why pass protection matters because Zeke. a lot of those positive plays weren't going to happen unless Zeku Elliott was an absolute baller in pass protection. Again, this was just a buzzsaw matchup in week one. Give it a few weeks before we overreact. Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens, Hayden. Tyson Williams. You know, I pivoted off Trey Sermon on Sunday morning, pivoted over to Tyson Williams on Monday Night Football. He is the only back on that team that spent the offseason with them. He has history with Lamar Jackson and a lot of those exchanges. That's absolutely imperative. Hayden, just from my eyes, I don't think he took any steps incorrectly that would take us away from him believing he's like the 1A back on their team. He led the
0: backfield in snaps, 35 out of 69 snaps, and Latavius Murray had 21. And Tyson Williams finished as the RB3 in fancy points, over expected. He dominated way over what you would expect based off of his usage. And he had a couple of big runs. He looks pretty athletic. You know, you're getting this bonus with Lamar Jackson in the backfield. So I think that every single week, Tyson Williams is going to outperform what his usage is going to be based on. I thought all things were pointing towards Tyson Williams, eventually being a a pretty stable running back to maybe a borderline RB two, three, depending on your league settings. I thought this was a win for people that had picked up Tyson.
1: Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be between Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray as we move forward. And that's totally fine. It was going to be, you know, split touches between JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards. These are just two different names. And we were drafting You know, J.K. Dobbins is the running back 15. People were drafting Gus Edwards as the the running back 22. Not saying either of these talents are equal to those, but the opportunity should still be equal to to both of those. And Hayden, it kind of does come down to which of these players can break a tackle, including Lamar Jackson, to like have those 10-plus yard touchdowns like Tyson Williams did last night, or which one gets the ball inside the one-yard line to convert that touchdown. But again, this is a rushing offense we want to believe in. And one that does have replaceable pieces. And so I, I'm totally cool with having Tyson Williams as like a running back three moving forward with upside. Definitely. I'm all in.
0: Let's let's move to the wide receivers unless you got another name.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just getting some questions from the chat. Chat, thank you so much for being here. You, Latasha, you, John, you, Jack. Um, we talked a lot about Melvin Gordon heading into the season, Hayden. Local, local, local beat writers said that Melvin Gordon was going to have a significant role in this backfield fantasy drafters thought that Javante Williams would get massive workload almost immediately. What we saw was basically a 50-50 split with Melvin Gordon getting more of the receiving work, which lines up with what Javante Williams profile was heading into the NFL. Now he also had a massive play. So Hayden, I guess Melvin Gordon can't be anything more than your third running back on your bench.
0: Definitely. They literally had a 50-50 split. They both played 33 Uh, snaps out of 66 and melvin gordon because of that long run finished as the rb1 in fantasy points over expected i'm not going to overreact to melvin gordon but i do think that melvin gordon is first of all better than all you guys think he is and the broncos certainly think he's better than you think he is because they're paying him the fourth most money in the entire league at running back so i think this will be a 50 50 split and i don't think that's going to help either one of these guys out for fantasy purposes these guys both should be on fantasy benches
1: Can we quickly talk about Saquon Barkley and Najee Harris? First of all, and Gabe, good to see you again, bud. Thanks for being here. Um, New York Giants played Saquon Barkley 48% of the snaps, Devontae Booker 39% of the snaps. You knew this when you were drafting Saquon Barkley. So like Hayden, it's going to be impossible for us unless they just, Joe Judge says outright, like, oh, we're going to give Saquon Barkley a full workload to know when Saquon Barkley gets a full workload. So we're just going to see it and then it happens. And that's it.
0: He was the RB twenty four in fantasy usage in week one. And he I think they had they play on Thursday night, I believe. So I'm not expecting him to go up much much higher than that on a short turnaround coming off his ACL injury. So I, I would say he's like a flex play this week, and then we'll see
1: in week three and beyond. And with Najee Harris, he played a hundred percent of the backfield snaps for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Hayden, both sides were right here. The ones that said like, Oh, he's going to dominate the touches. And the other side that was worried about Ben Bratisberger and namely the offensive line, the latter prevented him from getting a ton of production, but we can bank on the former each and every week for him to be among, hopefully the top 24 runners. And if they, you know, join together as a blocking unit, if they play worse opponents than they did in week one, because the Buffalo bills are a legitimate, great team. Then that's going to equal massive volume and massive production, I think, for Najee Harris, too.
0: There were 60 running backs in my model for week one. Najee Harris was literally dead last in fantasy points over expected. So you can read that how you want. That either means he's a, a positive regression candidate or that he's not going to be able to run anywhere. I think most of his yards came after contact. So this was exactly what we were expecting. I think ultimately he'll be like the RB 12
1: the season. All right. Before we move on to wide receivers, and by the way, if you're thinking of other names that we did not cover, we are going to have our game-by-game preview show this Thursday at 5.30 Eastern, previewing every single game on the Week 2 slate in order to get that either subscribe on your podcast feed or available on any podcast platform that you use. Just search The Interlog Football Show or like and subscribe down below. In fact, all of you that are here right now, do that right now it truly does help us out our whole goal is to help you win and have just a little bit more fun as we go along Hey, let's jump to wide receivers who should we talk about first well the
0: first three were cd lamb amari cooper and chris godwin so that thursday night football game was was pretty fun and obviously the michael gallup news we haven't talked about this yet he's going to miss a couple weeks here that obviously makes cd lamb who is the number one in fantasy uh, expected points and amari cooper the number two to be locked in top got top 10 guys I'm not sure if you had a take with any of the Bucks receivers. Chris Godwin uh, and Antonio Brown outperformed Mike Evans, but I think that those guys probably just going to be ping pong weeks. I'm not sure if you had any uh, Thursday night football takeaways from from any of those guys.
1: Just tremendous FOMO of not drafting enough of Antonio Brown at wide receiver 30, despite you telling me I should most of the summer. Uh, he looks like exactly what Bruce Arian said, the Antonio Brown of three or four years ago. I mean, we haven't had a full season of Antonio Brown in years you know, and now that we do this, I, I also want to bring up like Bruce Arians just talked about Ronald Jones. We saw Ronald Jones screw up and then they put in Leonard Fournette. We saw Giovanni Bernard play on passing downs. I don't care about a single Tampa Bay Buccaneer running back. I didn't prior to last week. I don't after this week, you know, heading into this weekend, what we care about is Tom Brady throwing the ball whenever he wants to, if they struggle, As we saw, they went three and out, running the ball twice. And then the next series, they threw the ball like six straight times, it felt like. To Chris Godwin, to Mike Evans, to Antonio Brown. Hayden, this weekend, they have the the Atlanta Falcons who were shredded by Jalen (laughs) Hurts. Guess what's going to happen? Big takeaway. It was very, very easy in underdog drafts this summer. Think about this heading into next year. To double up in the sweet spot of quarterbacks with Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford. You did that in week one. Congratulations. It looks good the rest of the year as well.
0: But they're in pocket quarterbacks, Josh. What are you doing? They don't <laughs> score any fantasy points. Yeah, I, I would say this is a l- last last call for Tom Brady MVP tickets if you can get about there. Um, but I'm with you. Antonio Brown looked awesome. He was the uh, wide receiver twenty and expected points. I think that he's going to be a weekly wide receiver three. And I think that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans will be wide receiver twos, and they'll all be inconsistent. But at the end of the year, you're going to refresh, and they're all going to be top
1: thirty guys. Any other names that you want to talk about? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot at Wide receiver, uh, go ahead with Jaguars.
0: All the Jaguars guys uh, did pretty well in the model. Marvin Jones was the wide receiver eight in usage, and he actually finished at a top 20 in targets and in air yards. At the same time, DJ Shark was the wide receiver 10 in fantasy usage. He actually was second in air yards, only behind Tyreek Hill. He had 199 of them. I haven't gotten to watch this game. Obviously, the game scripts played into this, but clearly, LaVisca Chanel is in this slot only underneath role and you have Marvin Jones and DJ shark basically in the same role, just going downfield. So it kind of depends on your league formats, but I think that DJ shark and Marvin Jones should be like very, uh, ranked similar to LaVisca Shenault Um, at least to start the season. Why
1: not ahead of LaVisca Shenault? Why similarly? Just because LaVisca is, is kind of a baller. We'll see. Okay. Let, let's talk about that for a moment because Hayden, what we saw in week one, and I haven't watched this game fully either was the Jaguars defense absolutely sucking, not being able to stop the Houston Texans. And so that forced Trevor Lawrence, who made some mistakes early on, to be hyper-aggressive, okay? There's no belief in me that the Jaguars team is going to be good this year too, so I think we're going to lead into a hyper-aggressive offense and passing game from Trevor Lawrence as we go. It's almost Philip Rivers-esque where he's going to come up with some huge plays and also make some massive mistakes at the exact same time Because he doesn't give a fuck. You know, like he's going to make big plays on the field. When what you just said, Hayden, DJ Chark, high A dot. Marvin Jones, high A dot. Despite that hyper aggressive passing game, LaVisca Chenault had basically the same A dot as Alec Ingold, the fullback for the Raiders last night. You know, it was like 4.7 or 3.7 yards. That's the exact same role that we saw last year. So, like, Unless something changes here for Visca, he's a manufactured touch player close to the line of scrimmage. Still, no,
0: I, I totally agree. I think that the, maybe like in the second half of the season, Visca starts to come into form. But like for next week, in, like in particular, I'm going to have those two ranked slightly ahead of Visca, and I think all of them will be in that like the wide receiver 30s and 40s. And I think we're just going to be expecting the Jaguars to be in
1: shootouts the entire year because their defense couldn't stop the freaking Texans. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And look, these things can change, especially with young players, but just in games that of, of of what the team has shown us so far and what they might be throughout the whole season, DJ Chark and Marvin Jones fit that downfield passing game. And Visca just wasn't used in that element. Uh, Let's talk about Cole Beasley. A lot of people faded Cole Beasley for a variety of reasons. This summer, Hayden, his ADP kept dropping all off-season long. Uh, if you liked your wallet, you drafted a lot of Cole Beasley. You and I drafted a lot of Cole Beasley, and he still is cemented as this team's wide receiver, too.
0: He ran around on 98% of the Bills' dropbacks, so and we know the Bills are going to drop back a ton because they were top five in neutral pass rate again. So he had 13 targets. This is what we should expect. That's what he did last year when he was a top 35 uh, receiver and per game in um, half PPR and in, in your full PPR leagues, he's even better. So I think that he's a wide receiver three flex play every single week. And when the matchups get really tasty, he had, he has some opportunities to have like top 20 weeks. So I think this was a big win for Cole Beasley. As for the other two guys real quick, Emmanuel Sanders played ahead of Gabe Davis. If you look at their routes, Gabe Davis got in there for a touchdown. He also had a, a big play. I think that Emmanuel Sanders has a better chance to outproduce Gabe Davis across the entire season. He had better fantasy usage, but I think both of those guys are a tier below Cole Beasley who has that slot role just down, down tight.
1: Yeah. Like you talked about Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley match each other in routes. Emmanuel Sanders was on 94% of the routes and Gabe Davis was on 60% and Gabe Davis was the one who found the touchdown. So like on your box scores in your fantasy leagues, it looks like Gabe Davis is you know the number three wide receiver? I would put a halt to that and say that Emmanuel Sanders still is now. Can Gabe Davis create big plays? Yes, we saw his rookie year. Are they going to run four wide receivers and, hit and use four wide receivers? Yes, they will. But if we're talking about like consistency and opportunity, Emmanuel Sanders can can be that. And Hayden, he had a twenty one a dot. Like it's not like he was just near the line of scrimmage too. Some so to me. That might be the lowest performance that we get from the Buffalo Bills all season long. Like the Steelers frustrated him last year, they frustrated him in Week One. I'll have more to say on this game in the preview show, but Emmanuel Sanders should absolutely be on your bench, and I definitely you're definitely going to get some usable weeks out of him this year.
0: Josh Allen missed him for like a fifty yard touchdown where Emmanuel Sanders was wide open down the field and just just completely with him. So um, yeah, I think that Emmanuel Sanders is going to be an okay like wide receiver five, wide receiver six.
1: Okay. Broncos wide receivers, Hayden, after Jerry Judy, who started off very well in this contest, went down with what looked to be a significant injury. It's a high ankle sprain out, what, six to eight weeks at the very least. Uh, he was, at the end of draft season, the highest drafted among that wide receiver group. Now we get courtin Sutton. We get KJ Hamler, who dropped a touchdown. We get Tim Patrick. And I also want to throw Noah Fant in that mix as well, Hayden.
0: Definitely. Cortland Sutton had a very slow game. He was only targeted a couple times on 8% of the the dropbacks. He was out there all the time, but uh, it was actually Tim Patrick who looked like the the alpha here. And Tim Patrick is, like, quietly a pretty good player. So those are going to be the two on the outside. K.J. Hamler, who was a rotational player to to start the game because Jerry Judy was actually in the slot role. K.J. Hamler is now going to be into the three wide receiver sets, and I think that this is another – um, little bull case for Noah Fant, who is probably, I think, their best skill position player. He looks like a top five fantasy or not maybe, th- not. maybe not a top five fantasy, but top five, like real life tight end,
1: which was what we were thinking when we drafted him trying to, like, get one year early on Noah Fant. And hey, I think heading into this year, it was pretty easy to to envision Jerry Judy leading this team in targets. I think now Noah Fant is in the race to lead this team in targets in his absence. And that would do wonders for the Titan that was going around tight end nine, tight end 10 towards the end of, of draft season and someone who can make things happen after the catch that a lot of players at his position cannot also want to throw in KJ Hamler, who's a, a big play threat, who also might be used a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage now.
0: Definitely. I think he's just going to be a vertical slot guy. That's what he was um, in, in college when he was super explosive. We saw that in the preseason. We saw that in, in spurts last year, going back to Noah Fant, the tight end six and fantasy usage last week, he underperformed a little bit, but I think that you're going to be putting him in that tight end six, tight end seven, tight end eight discussion every single week. And there's a chance where he sneaks into the top five after a couple of weeks. Cause so he is coming back off of that injury. Um, so I think that he'll get better as the season progresses.
1: Any other wide receivers want to hit him before we move on to other tight ends?
0: Uh, we have like the Steelers guys to talk, talk about. We can save that for matchups next, next Thursday.
1: Cool. And we, we definitely want to talk about Washington and how their offense changes without Ryan Fitzpatrick on Thursday's preview show as well. Uh, let's hit on tight ends before we get to the battle royale and breaking down teams that won $15,000 this weekend.
0: Well, we have to start with Darren Waller. He actually led freak, <laughs> not even just tight ends in fantasy usage, running backs and wide receivers. So, I mean, he is just like the absolute crazy ball. He's like clearly in the Travis Kelsey tier. They were, there was a little separation. Last last year, but Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards just didn't really move the needle for me, and I think that the the Raiders' defense still looks kind of pretty. I mean, pretty bad to me, and I think that Darren Waller is going to be uh, very worthwhile as a second round pick. Um,
1: I mean, Hayden, yeah, nothing went right for his connection with Derek Carr in the first half, and he still finished with an unbelievable game. Yeah. I mean, just imagine if like things go better for an entire game. I mean, he could be. Would it be crazy? I mean, the Titans never done this to lead the NFL in targets. If anyone's going to do it this year, it's probably Darren Waller.
0: You got to leg up after week one. I'll, I'll tell you that. He had like what, 20 targets? Yeah, it was, it was an incredible game. Um, uh, we
1: talked about DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. You want to talk at all about T.J. Hawkins? And I'll be honest here, Hayden. I have like a real blind spot to players just on awful teams. And as you have alluded to, and others have as well, T.J. Hawkinson 2021 might be similar to Darren Waller 2020 in terms of narrow skill position tree, and he might be a major beneficiary of that as well. I I want to throw in when I was talking about DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams earlier on, a lot of those things like, hey, we're going to play way off you in the fourth quarter. That helped out T.J. Hawkinson a lot, too.
0: Yeah, this is the perfect game script. I, I think this is what you were expecting if you were drafting TJ Hawkinson as the the tight end five or tight end six. Is that you're going to get these negative game scripts, and that's where Hawkinson goes off. So I think I don't think he's as good as Darren Waller is, like for sure, just based off like film evaluation. But I think that he can have like a B plus version. And I think I'm going to say I think I'm going to be ranking him ahead of George Kittle. I think the volume is just going to be so dramatically different between those two guys. Um, we'll see what, what happens with Brandon. Ayuk, But if Brandon Ayuk's back, I think that I'll be ranking TJ Hawkinson as my tight
1: end three every week. Quickly on Rob Gronkowski. Um, I was talking to the guys over at Pewter report prior to the year. Uh, the bucks were a little frustrated with how much they were forced to play Rob Gronkowski last year, because they had no other tight on the roster that they really believed in to play on a full-time basis. Uh, they tried to get OJ Howard going this preseason and that just did not work out. So Hayden, I think Rob Gronkowski, if he's healthy each week, He's a top 12 tight end, tight end and, and startable for you, obviously, every single contest.
0: Yeah, finished tight end three in fantasy usage and ran around on 74% of the dropbacks. And, yeah, I mean, this was, like, the perfect thing. Gronk looks awesome. And, like, going back to last year, he was number four against man coverage and yards per out run among tight ends last year. And, like, that was his, like, first year coming back. Now that he's got his feet wet, I mean, I I, I think he'll be a top 12 guy. And this is like, the, the Bucks. Team is just like literally unfair. Like I think they're by far the best team in the league right now.
1: Just I know it only finished about two weeks ago, but hey, do you remember among tight ends where he was drafted? Tight end 19. Tight 15. I yeah. mean that that's three spots after Mike Gasicki, who a lot of you should be dropping after after this week. Um also Kyle Pitts. A lot of people concerned about Kyle Pitts, drafted him in round four in a lot of places. Everything went wrong for Kyle Pitts. In that game, obviously offensive line, Matt Ryan, but he had, I think two receptions called back due to penalties, Um, had another out route that was caught, got one foot down, didn't get both feet in Um, the usage, I think was really positive in terms of his slot snaps in terms of when he lined up in line, he was going out in routes, even lined up out wide. I, I just think that Arthur Smith wasn't ready for week one, the Atlanta Falcons were not ready. For week one and there's nothing i mean obviously we didn't get a blow-up spot like we did with some some of these other tight ends but where the position still is right now i would guess he's going to be closer to a top six seven option than where the bottom falls out and he's going to be you know a top 12 option the rest of the year
0: i think kyle pitts is inevitable like it's it's gonna happen like maybe it takes a couple weeks but he was the tight end seven in fantasy usage in week one he was third in targets at the position, sixth in air yards. The Falcons couldn't move the ball and that hurt Kyle Pitts, especially near the red zone. And yeah, I haven't watched the tape, but I'm I'm sure that he's going to look totally fine. Like this is just yeah. stuff happens in the NFL. Like We can't completely overreact. He, if the usage was there. I think that he's going to be a uh, borderline top, top five guy for sure.
1: All right, Hayden. I think we covered all the names.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, except every single tight end two that you're drafting. They all suck. Like, I mean, Gesicki uh, Anthony Ferkser, Troutman, all of them, just like they're they're, they're totally garbage.
1: Jonu Smith might be the name. Hayden, Jonu Smith might be the name. Um, okay, before we go on, again, everyone that's here right now, like and subscribe down below. Join the channel. Join this community. We've had so much fun. We're here live every Tuesday and Thursday at five thirty Eastern. Preview shows on Thursday. This here show, obviously, on Tuesdays and then Sundays, we are live at. 10 a.m. Eastern for our pregame show. Start sits, pick them, questions, everything, and then go on right after all those 4 o'clock kickoffs are ended around 7.15 or 7.30 on Sunday. We have a bunch of clips lined up in between those shows as well. Whole goal for you to win and have a bit more fun. And speaking of winning, Hayden Winks, we have something called the Battle Royale each and every week on Underdog You Love Us for Best Ball. You should also love us for the Battle Royale. Hayden, take us through exactly what the Battle Royale is.
0: So there are two different versions of the Battle Royale. There's like the entire Sunday slate, and which is like kind of like the weekly version of it, or there's like the daily contest, or if you want to just play on Monday night or Thursday night. If you're looking at uh, the week one slate, it's a six-round draft. You're drafting with six people. So that's 36 players are being drafted. There's one quarterback, one running back, two wide receivers, a tight end, and a flex. It's a very standard kind of format, and you're just trying to beat out a bunch of people. I think there's like 22,000 people in this tournament last last time, and the same rules for DFS apply, just with basic strategies. We're talking correlation, we're talking about knowing the depth at each position, and just figuring out and aiming for some upside. So that's just like the the general blueprint of it. Uh, the draft literally only takes like four or five minutes to right. do, so it's a very simple DFS game, and I think
1: it's, it's worth trying. So we have the winner's roster from Last week, again, because there are only six rounds. You get six players on your team. It's not your typical 18 or 12, you know, pick league. Um, there's going to be some crossover in terms of of rosters. And actually, the two teams that won are the exact same. I'll pull it up here, Hayden. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, T.J. Hawkinson, and Tyra Lockett. One team drafted him this way. Another team drafted Tyra Lockett in rounds five and T.J. Hawkinson in round six. Sounds simple, right? Like, oh, if you draft this team on a Friday for Sunday, you would want all six of these names. Again, it's $5 to enter, $30,000 to, no, it's combined. So it's probably like 25 and and five or or 20 and 10. Anyways, first two places get to split $30,000. $15,000 was given out to two teams. Hayden, let's talk about strategy here since it's kind of like a new game a little bit. Obviously, if you draft a top quarterback, you want to stack them and attach them with their top wide receivers. So here, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill went off another week. It might be DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. We could see it, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. But I think that's kind of the core of a winning team each and every week. So if you do these drafts, quarterback and their top wide receiver.
0: This is a DFS tournament if you're not stacking you are losing all of your money so that is like the, the the must do and then even some of these teams have a bring back option in this case the first place winner had Nick Chubb so Nick Chubb scores some touchdowns gets the ball rolling that puts Travis Kels or Tyree Hill and Patrick Mahomes in, in good game script for the, for a huge week so yeah it's the same things run it back I, I don't think you want to overstack here but I think that running it back definitely pairing your quarterback with somebody that's already on your team that's like yeah. a must
1: do. Yep. Two foundation backs, like we mentioned in Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb, and like you said, yeah, running it back with the opponent of the stack makes sense. Getting a tight end in this league, Hayden, is probably significant because as we just alluded to, not many are going to either get opportunities or make good on those opportunities. And then like that final pick is is a real wild card. You were all over Tyler Lockett in terms of your prediction heading into Sunday. Someone else like Mike Williams might have been a cool, you know, six-round pick as well. Not as good as Tyler Lockett, but you get the gist. Like. That is also a name that if you nail, it's it's pivotal to nail in order to win again the top prize just on your $5 entry.
0: The biggest strategy is definitely to differentiate. If you look at how the draft lobby is set up when you go in there, it's the it's based off of projected points. And most people are just going to draft the best available player for each position. So that means if you're looking at just like total ownership in this DFS tournament, most of the people that are owned are going to be the top six tight ends, the top six quarterbacks, the top 12 or so running backs, and the top 18 or so wide receivers in order to to differentiate scroll down a little bit and your last pick your last two picks go draft like the wide receiver 29 of the week someone that's only going to be taken in just a couple of drafts I thought someone like Devonta Smith and Jalen Hurts were good candidates last week where you're looking at they're not the top six in projected points but either one of them can finish as the number one overall and that's how you win these tournaments so it's the way to get low ownership There's not like ownership in salary cap drafts, but there's ownership in how many times people are drafted. Scroll down a little bit, and that's where you get uh, the loan guides. Anything
1: else we want to say here other than we're still giving you $10 for free. Use promo code the show, and you get $10 free. That's two free entries into the Battle Royale. It's on your app. It's on desktop. Just go and try out Underdog Fantasy. I think it's an awesome... So what? If I'm doing my math correctly, six people... Six picks a piece. That's 36. Leave the math to me, dude. Leave the math to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that's going to do it for us. Again, we're going to hit on every single team and basically every single fantasy-relevant player this Thursday, 5.30 Eastern, on our game-by-game preview show You don't want to miss it. You can check it here on the YouTube channel. You can take it with you in podcast form. Just search the underdog football show. And again, be with us on Sunday as well. And go try underdog, especially pick them, especially pick them. Go 20 extra money in one night. Why not? All right. For Hayden Winks, for Josh Nars, for you in the chat, Tony, Greg, Cupid, Mike, Ricky, Miguel, Andrew. Thanks, everyone. Up the villa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.